Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Excuse Me, May I Have Some More, the foodcast with an insatiable appetite and a catchy theme song. I'm Brad Kramer, and I'll be joined each episode by my co-host, Christine Struble, as we talk all things food. We'll also share our conversations with a wide range of well-known and interesting people who share our passion for the subject. We'll also look to answer life's burning questions, like, how do we feel about eating in bed? When you wake up in the morning, you crave coffee cake sometime. Does it mean you, you eat it in bed, though? You know what? I love my food. Obviously, we write about it and now we're talking about it. I have never had coffee cake or any other kind of food in bed. I can exercise enough discipline to at least make it the, uh, the 30 steps to the kitchen. So you've never had like breakfast in bed or nope. ever? Nope. I'm not, no, there's, no. Uh-uh. It, is it like you Now I have a daughter who's going to give me a hard time. I have an adult daughter who, who has every meal in bed, but that's a whole other story for another day. But no, I'm, this is very intriguing. So you've never, like, anytime just decided, hey, I want to n- spend half my day in bed and I'm going to go down to the kitchen fix myself a tray with everything and watch four hours of silly food TV or what have you and enjoy. Nope. Not once. Okay. Second question. Do you eat on a couch? Would you, would you do, would you like put a whole, like make a tray and sit on a couch and, and eat and watch TV with the, tray table in front of me or a table in front of me sure so what's the difference um upright in one of those cases (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you know it's funny i don't know that there is a difference (laughs) and as you as you sit here and, and you try to uh differentiate between the two i don't know that there is a difference because i will spend a lazy saturday morning laying down watching Food Network, watching Molly Yeh, watching Trisha Yearwood, watching Valerie Bertinelli, all the shows I enjoy on Saturday morning on Food Network, plug, plug. And it will have me craving something, but at no point am I inclined to go get that something and then return to the prone position and resume watching. 
But doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of food TV? The purpose of food TV is to sit there and entice you to make a recipe or to want that food. Correct. So if they're it, but you're intrigued enough with the show to continue watching. Yeah, I just don't make the connection between eating where I sleep. Although there have been a time or two where I've fallen asleep where I've been eating. So I, I guess I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, no, uh-uh, never once. Because many people consider it a luxury. Like when you go on vacation or when you think about, oh, Mother's Day or something, we're going to make breakfast in bed. And everyone thinks that's great. And you would be one of the people that says, oh, please don't ever do that for me. Correct. Hmm. <laughs> maybe I should be laying down for this psychoanalysis that you're. Maybe, maybe that, that you know, that doing right now the yeah. difficult questions that that we ponder sometimes. That's right. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting one because it's not one I've ever stopped and thought about, and it's not one of those oh birthday or Father's Day things that I ever would want or ask or ask for, even though I know it's common. It's just, it's never been something that, that I've done or wanted to do. No. I, I wonder how many people fall into a very specific category. Like, for example, you are very anti have food in bed. And then there probably are people who are very pro having food in bed. I wonder where the percentages lie in something like that. Oh, well, I would, I would venture to say that I am in a very, very, very small minority. I, honestly, I don't think so. Because there are some people, and the, even if you look at other trends and, and um, changes, like now a lot of people, as soon as they would come into their house, they would change clothes immediately and have only inside clothes because they don't want anything in their bed that would make it dirty. So if you ate in your bed, then you could potentially have crumbs, which then would not be good. So I bet there's more people who don't eat in their bed than what you realize. So maybe that tradition of breakfast in bed is long gone. I don't know if it's gone, but I feel the same way that uh, John Cleese's character did in a, an episode of BBC's Faulty Towers. Rosewood, mahogany, teak. <laughs> I beg your pardon. What would you like your breakfast tray made out of? I don't really mind. Are you sure? Fine. Well, you go along and have a really good night's sleep then. I'm hoping to get a couple of hours later on myself. I'll be having good time to serve you your breakfast in bed. If you can remember to sleep with your mouth open, you won't even have to wake up. I'll just drop in small pieces of lightly buttered kipper when you're breathing in the right direction, if that doesn't put you out. <laughs> Did you get into the big bread baking kick during the pandemic or did your theories about bread and gluten-free preclude you or encourage you to jump on that bandwagon? Well, um, I, I did not get into the bread baking scenario. Um, I commend anyone who wants to build a sourdough starter and, and nurture it and love it and, and hold it close in order to make it make some delicious bread that I don't have the time nor the inclination for that. Um, but it's one of the things that I've, I've looked at over the years because 
there are many people who go, oh, bread is horrible. I have gluten issues. I can't have it. And I always wondered if it was a true insensitivity or if it was a little bit of a um, belief that, oh, I didn't have good bread. And that's why I don't feel the greatest because I, I know like when I've traveled around uh, to other countries, fresh bread just tastes different mm-hmm. and it feels different um, and kind of reacts differently when, when you eat it as opposed to some bread here when it, if you get bread from the grocery market, sometimes that bread can sit on your counter for like, 14 days or so um, makes you wonder what's in it. So with people who have started baking bread on their own, they might not only have that sense of accomplishment because they made something from scratch they've never done before, but they've learned that fresh ingredients and um, made from scratch taste better, make them feel better and learn to appreciate and enjoy it. So maybe it isn't necessarily a gluten issue, but maybe it's more of an ingredient issue. I mean, many people think about healthy eating and how that impacts them. Um, So this could just be an evolution of that. We'll have to wait and see if things change uh, over the next several months or year if the, the, the gluten police come back and say, oh, no, bread's bad, you know, maybe it's just a comfort food thing. Who doesn't like comfort food? It makes you feel good. Right, absolutely. And you want to feel good and not, not feel good. Well, which, 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 comes, which comes back to the whole gluten question. And, and yes, there are certain people who definitely My double, my have, double negative there. Well, th- there are definitely people who have food intolerances. I mean, it, it, it is, there's a big difference between someone who has a true intolerance versus someone who just has a dislike. I mean, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you say, I don't want peanuts on my pad thai, and then you should qualify because I don't like them, not because I'm go- I have a peanut allergy, and if I eat the peanuts, we're going to have to inject me with an EpiPen. There's right. a big difference between the two. Um, so just like food trends, intolerances change and, and evolve. I mean, even similar to the, um, the government al- um, study on sweets and alcohol that came out recently, they m- suggested that young children be introduced to peanuts before the age of six months old to build up a tolerance to that allergen so that they would become less likely to be like allergic to peanuts. So maybe it's the same thing with bread. If we have a better bread that we're introduced to at a young age that doesn't have all the preservatives in it, maybe the gluten intolerance will go away. Preemptive onboarding. Maybe. That's interesting. So, Do you have a gluten, gluten intolerance? No. I just have an intolerance for certain types of food, but that's 
not a physical one that's mental, which is funny because that this whole conversation was going to lead me to ask you if there are foods that you absolutely will not eat that are on your verboten list. I, I will say there, I, there has been nothing that I haven't eaten and I've eaten some really weird stuff, but I mean, there are certain things that I would choose over others, but I, I can't recall anything that has been placed in front of me that I've said absolutely no to. I mean, my children got um, fried crickets for the holidays and they're, and their Christmas stocking. And, and dead silence from Brad. That doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. So I, I, I was trying to, whether to go for the quip and the bad pun or the, the curiosity of what was the reaction to A, getting it, and then B, eating them. Um, one, they've had them before. Oh, okay. So um, they were a little they laughed it off um one was not happy with the flavor choice uh <laughs> i guess he would have preferred cheesy versus taco seasoning but eh, to each his own um but, <laughs> but i mean it it was more for a good laugh um, oh, it's not like they get hopped up on eating crickets no 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 sometimes it's a joke and and truthfully crickets are a good source of protein you just chew it like popcorn. My food, quote unquote, intolerances are foods I won't eat primarily or almost exclusively because of textural turnoffs to me. Like you couldn't get me anywhere near ham, but you put a plate of bacon in front of me, a pork chop, sausage, and I'm good to go. So... Avocado is another one. Guacamole is another so, one. I, to me, my food turnoffs are textural and not for any other reason. And I'm not an adventurous eater. I mean, I'm not going and running out after we're through talking and getting crickets or caterpillars. But to me, the, the, the whole textural turnoff thing is, is an, a non-starter for me. So do you eat mushrooms? I love mushrooms. Because uh, the reason why I ask that is because if you think of, when you look at many kids, they don't like mushrooms because it's a textural issue. Right. But you, but if you think about the texture of some mushrooms and an avocado, depending on how they are, they can be similar or even ham. Um, so, so it's interesting that there are some some items like you would eat a mushroom, but you wouldn't eat a piece of ham. See, Is it me, because it's ham, slimy? Slimy and shiny. Yes. And it's been the thing that I, it has been the thing that has turned me off since day one. Whereas I grew up as a little, little kid going to, the, to a restaurant, ordering chopstick, chop sirloin on a plate smothered in mushrooms, could not get enough mushrooms. I've been eating mushrooms since, since the beginning of time for me, love mushrooms and don't think of them in the context of being textually a turnoff or slimy or anything like that. Uh, they don't, there's no association between that and avocado, that and you know anything else that, that I might not be willing to try or eat. 
And and even with everyone having to have avocado and everything, you you've never found a way that you've liked it. You know whether it's not guacamole. I mean, you mentioned that because of the texture. But even if is it if someone hid it in something like a recipe, would you be if, able if to they pick hid it, it out? in somebody else's house? <laughs> no. So if I if I made you avocado brownies or like an avocado oh, so dessert and I didn't tell you avocado the, was in it. You all the chicanery that uh, Jerry Seinfeld's wife does to get her kids to eat. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, no, I obviously you can hide things, but if you take a slab of it and put it on a, a Mexican dish or something like there's, I'm not going near it. I don't want any interaction with it. I don't want it touching my food. It now, is do you also, since you don't like, you didn't want the avocado to touch something, and I'm assuming, you know, other textural issues to touch stuff. Are you one of those people that a plate is very segmented where no food should be able to touch one another? No, that doesn't, that's not. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Going to a Las Vegas buffet you will see people or on a, a cruise ship when people were still getting on cruise ships. Um, and you would see the people go up to the buffet and come back with a, a six story building assembled <laughs> yes. on, on their plate. I don't do that, but to me, that's just gluttony. That's not make a second and a third trip up there. But as you know, is the stuffy stuffing touch, touching this and is the, the potato touching that or the, the au jus, that doesn't, I have no issues with that as long as it's food that I eat. But if there's something and there is avocado or ham adjacent, then check please. So have you watched any new food TV shows lately? There is that new Food Network show with Jeff Morrow where he goes into people's refrigerators um, on a cul-de-sac and the chefs have to go in and take ingredients out of the refrigerator and pantry and come up with like a multi-course meal. I recently spoke to Jeff actually. In that conversation, we talked about kitchen crash, the kitchen returning to onset filming and the new discovery plus streaming service that recently debuted. On the first episode of kitchen crash, you attempted the quasi (laughs) cartwheel. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't categorize that as a full cartwheel. That was a, uh, you know, a, a, you know, maybe sixty percent of the way there. No, well, they, 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 those were unrelated. The, I have it on good authority that the East German judge only gave it a three. <laughs> so true. It's horrible. <laughs> it was my like seriously, legitimately the first time I've ever attempted that. So I could, and that was like the first episode, and I would have shut down production had I like blown my meniscus on. That stupid little bit, among many other, as you'll see as the season goes on. But I guess we'll uh, we'll save that for the air here. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, tell me, how does it feel hosting and judging versus cooking? Because at your core, that's what you do. Um, I love the you know the art form of cooking on television, which is its own animal, and I think more people are doing it more than ever with the you know, being at home and connecting through Zoom and all these Zoom demos and stuff, especially chefs all over doing more cooking at home. Whereas I have been 
you know, I fell in love with that art form of cooking to one camera a long time ago. So I love it and I'll always cherish it and I'll hope to do it forever on platforms such as the kitchen. But to, to have your, you know, own show and be an authority and a judge and a taster is, is a whole different animal. And I like them both the same. You know, it's it's I'm going to be honest with you. It's way more heavy lifting, you know, just to cook to camera mm-hmm. and through a demo because there's so many moving parts and you want to make sure the food looks great and tastes great and tell cute stories and smile at the camera and not say um and like a million times. So whereas, you know, if you're judging, it's I, I feel like it's more of just it's way more relaxing judging and tasting, just sometimes not as delicious. I'll put it that way. There are certain competition shows, including on your network, that to me just seem very repetitive. This was fresh. It was funny. It was enjoyable. It was engaging. Just give me the the Reader's Digest version of how you feel about the show. I watched it uh, just like everybody else did. I was excited to see it, but I was also nervous, right? This is like my first primetime vehicle in eight years. And it's, it's, you know, it's a heavy it's a heavy thing to, to to carry because right now I'm worried about ratings and all this. So there's so much energy going into watching it, but I, I lost myself in it and I haven't seen a lick of footage other than what other doing some VOs real quick to some cut down, you know, a uh, little 30 second promo, but that's all I've seen. And we have been actively pursuing the show for almost two years from the proof of concept to the sizzle, to the first, uh, pilot to COVID to all this stuff happened. So like, I mean, man, it got there and I couldn't believe the show was actually on, but then I, I, I forgot about everything when I started watching it and I really was entertained. And I know again, right. Big ego chefs, TV people <laughs> like, Oh, I'm the best. But you know what? I'm my biggest. I might, I, every piece of television I watch with me in it, I watch it like game film. You know what I mean? It, yep. it, it eats me up inside. You miss and that block. It, oh, and I'm like, shut it off, Sarah. You know, Sarah's my wife. Yep. And I'm like, oh, please shut it off. Or I sit there and I'll laugh at things and I'll rewind it. And I did that several times during Kitchen Crash. Not because I think I'm the funniest one in the world, but like I, I see it through the lens of, of the average Joe. And I think the show propelled me through it and wanted, left me wanting more. And I think that's obviously the goal And in it while it is formulaic and it's hard not to follow a certain formula with competitive food. Right. Um, it's still fresh in, in natural and uh, pretty organic. I mean, a lot of those moments was just me running around and improvising in 98% of what you heard and saw, like nothing was really being fed to my ear. Nothing was other than like people's names during the intro. Right. But that's it really. I mean, it was, you know, there's so many things that were cut out, too. I was like, oh, man, I hope they get a little more as the episodes go on. I'm told they get a little more, you know, uh, real, if you will, and mm-hmm. fun. So I know that one was fun, but it's uh, they get better and better. So I loved it. I really did. I'm so proud of it. At the end of the day, I'm proud of it. And I'm I'm, I'm happy it finally made it to air. So you've got six episodes in the can. Is, are there plans for more or is this let's see how it goes for the same? Uh-huh, Brad, that is the number one question, isn't it? Like now I got my mom being like, how are the ratings? And I'm like, <laughs> slow down, ma. All right, stop. <laughs> Don't add any more stress to there. Any um, you know what? It depends. You know, like there's there's a lot of um, goodwill about this show. There's a lot of fans of it at the network. Um, 
you know, there's some heavy hitters involved, if you will, like to get down and dirty. Right. And I think there's a lot of people pulling for this show. So, but it all boils down to ratings and listen, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't a great night to debut and premiere a show. Wasn't a great day uh, news wise for the country. So hopefully, you know, that's an anomaly and uh, we could see where it goes. I I would love to do holiday episodes in the snow and Hmm. some hot Southern Southern Florida in August. You know what I mean? Like have the elements as a character in the show. And there's so much room uh, to just create characters via the blocks in the neighborhoods, in the cities, in the villages, in the towns, in the states, in this country. So, I mean, it's endless. There's an endless quantity of sets, if you will. And so you can't just big shot it and text Courtney White and say, okay, I want another six. Uh, she just called me and I just put her right to voicemail. No, okay, <laughs> no, I, but, but you know what? Why not? You know, we've talked about it. She's excited about it. She's awesome. Um, obviously. Good. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Brad, I don't know, man. If it was up to me, I, I, I do 26 more this year. So. So just, just jumping ahead to the kitchen, you just started shooting in studio again for the first time in a while. Were Sarah and Lorenzo thrilled to get you out of the house? <laughs> I guess she, she's got to answer. She was, she encouraged it. I'll put, she was the number one cheerleader to get us back in studio. Honey, honey it's time to go back to New Jersey and shoot. She turned, she did. She turned into a high powered Hollywood agent really quick. I'm like, who are you talking to right now? She had the earpiece in, you know, the old school Bluetooth. She's firing people. She's like, get him in the studio now. Um, I think we we're just happy to kind of get our home back. Um, it, we did 31 episodes and it was, we, you know, how many people have a yearbook from this time like that, that we really did do it together legitimately us with my wife, you know, holding a, a, a an Osmo gimbal yep. and shooting on telephones. And we have this record of this time that was so, you know, and you see the Genesis, you know, the start of it, like that first weird episode when we didn't know what the hell we were doing from home to the end when we were like, all right, let's bang them out. So we got our home back. Sarah can get back to, to her life. I mean, she was not even close to being uh, qualified f- for that position of being a camera operator and on camera taste tester, but uh, she did a splendid job of it. And Lorenzo loved it. And at the end of the day, we did it. Can I, can we do it again if necessary? Of course, but right, I right. would much rather be in the studio getting the crew back to work. It was so great being there with obviously Jeezy and Alex and Sonny and everything and uh, Katie remotely. But man, I love seeing the, the camera operators and my sound guy and having my, you know, space back and I'm not going to lie to you, Brad, like having somebody like, do you want a cup of coffee and a sandwich for lunch? I'm like, yeah, PA getting you things. Guess what didn't happen in my house? (laughs) Brought me a damn sandwich, Brad. My wife offered me a sandwich. Get out of here. So (laughs) here, Lorenzo, we're not good PAs. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. Um, The one thing I have enjoyed, totally said with love and good humor, is the segments that Sonny shot out in the field when the wind was blowing, the only thing missing was Auntie M and Toto. <laughs> it was a twist, a cow, a cow uh, swept the, up yeah, exactly. in, in a blizzard, right? I don't know if you've heard, Jeff, but your parent company uh, started a new streaming service this week. What's that? Discovery <laughs> Plus. <laughs> Being able to go and binge Sandwich King and Next Food Network star and going back to your TV roots 
I just am curious what that feels like, what your reaction is to suddenly people that are very familiar with you and big fans of yours can and might might have missed on that stage of your career can now go back and on demand just catch up. Well, I it's a gas, man, and tread lightly because it is you can see literally physically, audibly, you know, um, uh, comically my progression throughout the last decade of starting at Food Network Star from that first moment, the first scene of me walking down the streets, episode one of Food Network Star season seven, which was the first time I was on Food Network to the last episode of The Kitchen. I think I, I, I've improved in many ways, but it's hard for me to watch, Brad, not because the content and the food isn't great. It's all great. I mean, you look at old Sandwich Kings, especially from the first season of Sandwich King that was shot undercover before Food Network Star even released who the contestants of that show was. We shot it all. I already knew I won. That's a whole nother story for another episode, Brad. We'll tell the uh, we'll tell the uh, Food Network Star story the next time. But like from that moment, like you, you see that show, the food, it's so beautiful. Like you forget like. Would it, you know, the kitchen's shot beautifully, but it's, you know, it's a, it's an ensemble cast. That was like me and the camera and this, like I said before, very indulgent, very cheesy, gooey, meaty food uh, to, you know, just being a little more refined on the kitchen. And now on Kitchen Crash, it's, it's it, last night we were, we were plowing through some early episodes with my son who was two years old. My wife was, looks different. My in-laws, I mean, again, it's like another yearbook. It's this memoir it's this, you know, scrapbook of my life so far in this industry. And it's so much fun to revisit. And I think everybody else will enjoy it. And a lot of people that are watching are like, oh, my God, I forgot that recipe is so good. And that's where we're like, oh, my God, I need to make this, you know, cinnamon toast crunch crusted peanut butter and jelly with bananas and ruffles. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. But it's good. Like I, I, there are some cringy stuff just with me again. Like I watch it like game film and I'm, I'm dissecting it as I watch. I'm like, who put me in that shirt? There's a lot of that stuff. Like who, who didn't, why did you not cut my, 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 uh, uh, not, uh, my sideburns? Why are my sideburns so long and straggly? You know, just things like that. Otherwise the content's amazing, but there's so much other fun stuff to, to watch on there too. I think it'd be fun to have Jeff show up at my door. So what's the most embarrassing thing in your refrigerator right now? Absolutely nothing. Your refrigerator is empty? No, 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 no. no. But there's nothing embarrassing, nothing that I have nothing in common with Dwight Schrute from the office. I have the best stocked survival shelter in northeastern Pennsylvania, but everything has a shelf life. So I must eat and then replace everything that's about to expire. It's nice not to have to plan my meals. You're eating eight-year-old tomatoes. They're still good for another week. You know, I think I might have some type of cheese in the back of my fridge you might like. There's leftover pizzas because I have a daughter here who loves leftover pizza. There's um, awesome yummies that I got through Gold Belly from Junior's in New York. Um, there's shrimp. There's fruit their salad now there's there's nothing in there that i would like run to block the view of really yes that's impressive yeah foxes you bet is well, yeah no no there's it's i i would have no problem 
but I know that there are people who, you know, you could go open their refrigerators and there's a jar of mayonnaise, a bottle of ketchup, four week old Chinese food, and that's it. And then, so if somebody like Jeff Morrow shows up as creative as he is, he could be SOL. That is the, I, I think anyone would be, if you just had a jar of mayonnaise and nothing else, I don't know what you could create with that. Yeah. Other than white bread on with mayonnaise. And he is the sam- sandwich king. He is. He is the sandwich king. He is quite creative. He's a lot more than the sandwich king, which we discuss in part two of my conversation on the next episode. Thanks for joining us again on this episode. We really appreciate it and look forward to having you back for episode three. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.